Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Ever since we started doing this program, we knew that we wanted to have someone do film reviews. What we didn't know was that our film expert, Sister Marie Paul Curley, was going to give us much more than regular film reviews. She instead gives us the window to the soul of a particular film. She has brought us insights about films that we love and introduced us to films that we never even heard of. Sister Marie Paul is a member of the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul and is truly a film expert. And so, this week we are happy to bring you some of our best Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Get ready to want to go to find some great films to watch. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. I was going to—I guess it's been—we haven't spoken to you since since before the summer. So happy summer! Oh, thank happy you. Happy back back to the to the to the grind. Oh, but I'm, I love fall. But I have to say, uh, the, both this summer and this fall, there was there have been some really, and there still are some great movies out so there. So, did you get to watch a lot of movies over the summer? not too many, but because it's taken me so long to get on Salt and Light Radio yeah. Hour, I actually have a nice list that okay. I'd love to just share before we jump into the real the films I wanted to discuss. For today. sure, yeah. I thought I could just mention a couple. Number one, if you like independent films, uh, definitely go to see The Florida Project. Okay. It's in theaters right now. It's a very small independent film. It's uh, It does have... Oh, at least one big star in it, Willem Dafoe. Uh-huh. But it's, it's a slice-of-life film from a child's perspective. Okay. It's really a sense of walking in another's shoes, the people who are right on the edge of homelessness. It's so well done. Oh, I know what this movie is, yes. Uh, my yes. gosh, it's so, okay. so, it's it is so good. well done. Okay, yes, I know which one it is. And uh, also A Quiet Passion, which is a biopic of Emily Dickinson, uh-huh. uh, who, of course, is a New England poet, and I'm from this er- the area of New England, so yeah. I especially enjoyed that. Uh, I've also watched uh, All Saints, which is a really a family uh-huh. Christian film, which stars um, Corbett, John Corbett. Yeah. It's the story of Pastor Michael Spurlock. It's It's already been in the theaters, but it's releasing digitally at the end of November, so you might want to keep an eye out okay, for that. Yeah. Of course, there's The Shack. Um, yes. I've heard really good things about The Case for Christ, although I didn't get to see it yeah, yet. Yeah, I was going to go see it, and then I did. I went to see It instead. <laughs> oh, no! Really? <laughs> well, you know, I was with my nephew, so it was either The, the Case okay, for Christ or right. It. Your nephew totally gets you off the hook. Okay. <laughs> And the other uh, movie I just wanted to highlight, which I, you probably you may have talked about with your viewers, bef- uh, your listeners yeah. before, is the Star, the animated Christmas story that's coming out. Okay, no. So that looks like it's going to be really good. Okay, so there's a lot, and these are all Christian, except for the Emily Dickinson one. Are they all Christian films? Well, the Florida Project really isn't. It's really more of a social justice film, uh-huh. uh, but it. I don't know. It's just, it's very moving. Uh, yeah, okay, good. But All Saints, The Shack, and obviously The Case for Christ yeah. are Christian. And and would you say, just briefly before you go in to talk about the movie that you want to highlight today, um, is our Christian Christian filmmaking improving? You know, uh, a lot of people liked All Saints. I mean, I've, I'm putting up a review this week. Okay. We'll actually get it up. Um, 
and I liked it. It wasn't unpredictable, but it right. was better acted, better maybe a little bit better scripted, yeah, and better definitely writing. better shot. Like, production okay. values were pretty good. So okay, good. So, in some ways, yeah, the fact that more Christian films are coming out mm-hmm. is really great because you've got more to choose from, more different styles of filmmaking. Yeah, for and sure. they're basically each, I, as the director's, they're improving as they go. Okay, yeah. good. Okay, we're going to leave that there because you have about a minute to talk about the film you want to highlight. So, oh, no. So you're okay, gonna, what, so what's the movie you want to highlight? I actually wanted to kind of compare okay. some superhero movies that have come out. All right. Uh, you know, the trend over the past year, a couple of years, has been just getting darker and darker with like the Batman versus Superman yeah. movie, the Deadpool movie. Yes. The Netflix movies um, yes. have, are quite dark, although there's a lot of redeeming facts. Uh, uh, features to those to those series. Yes. However, the latest two uh, theatrical releases, Wonder Woman and Spider-Man: Homecoming, okay. are both going back to a real comic book type of mm-hmm. approach, where we're looking at a true heroic journey. We're not so much looking at anti-heroes or such a grim situation that all you can see is grittiness. But we're looking, and we're also looking at less violence, I think, overall. I mean, they're still very violent. It's really comic book violence. But there's less violence. It's less um, It's less sensational violence, I would say, and more about special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked aspects of Wonder Woman, and not just the, the special effects and the superb acting, but it's also the first superhero film directed by a woman. Yes. And it's also the first superhero film that I've seen on a big screen that is about a superhero who's a woman. Um, And I like the fact that they don't just turn her into a woman who's like a man. You know, she has, she brings a strong, compassionate, gentle, and peace-loving sense. Um, I also really love the fact that her view of humanity, which she's very disillusioned. She comes from this ideal place with the Amazons, and she comes into contact with humanity she sees humanity and all their brokenness, but then she sees past that, and it's that ability to see the gift of love, so much more is what she calls it, mm-hmm. uh, that really transforms her relationship with humanity and kind of resolves the whole conflict of the film. So uh, it's not a perfect film, but I really liked it for that. Yes. And Spider-Man Homecoming, just to say briefly... I really didn't think we needed another Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I'm with you there, yeah. But it worked really well. Really? His, the personal growth, the hero's journey through the film is immediately identifiable. The, I love the fact that Iron Man is mentoring Peter Parker. I mean, <laughs> you couldn't ask for two more opposite characters. Right. But also, Spider-Man's decision that violence is not the answer, like mm. he really goes for integrity and doing the right thing brings a whole, I think it makes the film very accessible to teens and preteens. So, good. I, I, you know, they're Christ figures. Uh, they both bring this strong sense of Christian values, even though we don't know where they're getting their Christian values from. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something that needs to be discussed in another episode. Yeah. But, um, but both are interesting. PG-13, definitely. I found Spider-Man a good bit lighter, and I would go with a younger audience mm-hmm. with that, uh, whereas uh, Wonder Woman has a lot of sexual innuendos. Yes. So it was a little, I think it's for a little more of an older audience. But both are good for the teenage audience if you love comic book movies. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I, I did watch Wonder Woman with my son. And... Uh, 
but I haven't watched uh, Peter. Um, I was going to say Peter Pan, uh, <laughs> Spider Man, Peter Parker. But uh, you've convinced me to go watch it. So that, and then this whole list of other movies that I'm going to put on our site. But uh, people can always go to your website. And uh, your reviews are there, and you can also uh, find out what movies are good to watch. Uh, thank you, sister. Oh, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's a joy to be with you. And as always, I'm praying for your, for you all that you do at Salt and Light, and uh, and especially for the listeners. Thank you, always sister. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul. Uh, she's with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and you can also follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. I am Billy Chan. You are listening to the Southern Night Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, so good to have you back on the program. It's been a long time. It has, and we've had a lot of really interesting movies passed during this time that we haven't been able to air. I know we have, and are any of those movies good movies to watch during Lent? Actually, yes, I think so. I uh, wanted to look at some of the movies that I really enjoyed from 2016, and I found, I noticed the theme of really of witnessing to the truth in okay. these three films. And, you know, it's interesting to me in our world of film and television right now, where fantasy and science fiction and fairy tales are so prevalent, yeah. these three films were made last year that are really depictions of true stories and especially about witnessing to the truth. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So so what are they? Yeah. So Sully is the first one. Uh-huh. And, of course, it's the true story of the American pilot who's became damaged, and so he heroically and amazingly landed on the Hudson River, saving right. the passengers and crew. That's yes. where the movie starts. Yes. So it's witnessing, it becomes an important journey for him to witness to the truth of what happened. You know, his integrity as a pilot, his expertise as a pilot. But what struck me, too, was his humility witnessing to the truth as well, uh, so that other pilots could act freely in the best interest of their passengers. So it's a, it's a beautiful film. It really is a fascinating, very well done. Uh, with great performances, but it's it's an interesting idea, uh, look at witnessing to the truth, yes. the truth of one historical in, uh, incident. And then the second movie is Denial. Okay. Now, this is the true story of Deborah Lipstadt, who is an expert historian on the Holocaust, sued for libel by a famous denier of the Holocaust, and it ends up being that she, the burden of proof falls to her to prove that the Holocaust happened. Now, this is about denying the tragic truth of an event, the horrific event that happened in the Holocaust. Right. And we know that denying, you know, past evils can lead to them. So it's about how does she witness to the truth? You know, she has to rely on her head and other people and not just follow her impulses. Um, and, of course, it's about that self-denial that she has to carry out in witnessing to this truth and enabling the truth to be told, especially by the survivors who want to speak out. So it's really interesting in looking at the role of speaking, the role of silence, um, and it's not self-serving to witness to the truth, especially this kind of a truth that affects an entire people and really ultimately affected the entire world and can affect our future as well. Yeah. So another powerful film about the truth. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the third film is uh, Silence, 
the amazing uh, film directed by Martin Scorsese that's based on the novel by Shisaka Wendo. It's, it's set in, for those who haven't seen it or read the novel, it's set in the historical event of 17th century Japan during the fierce anti-Catholic persecution. And it's, it's based on one real character uh, and, uh, and a real historical situation. The story itself is dramatized a little bit fictionally in the novel and in the film, of course. And it's two Portuguese Jesuit priests tra- travel to Japan during the persecution to locate another Jesuit whom they greatly respect, who is a missionary to Japan, who is rumored to have committed apostasy to denying Christ. Right. And they also go to continue that mission of evangelization. Now, it becomes a really an exploration of hidden faith and suffering, and how to witness to Christ in a culture where the person's dignity and freedom is denied, religious freedom is denied, and how that really injures, wounds the human person. And where is Christ in that? And how does one Christ wit? How does one witness to Christ in these circumstances? Uh, where is Christ if one's weakness overcomes you, and so one fails to witness to Christ? It's it's just it's a really beautiful. It's a very powerful film, very disturbing on right. some levels, yeah. but also very moving because we're looking, we're challenged, how can we witness to Christ? Okay, good. So all three yeah, excellent. great watches and for Lent. They, they sound like they'd be great uh, for Lent. I've watched Sully. I haven't seen Denial or Silence, but I've heard great things about it. They're all out on demand. I believe Silence will be out soon on demand so people can uh, can look them up. But thank you, sister. Um, you were cutting out a little a little bit, but that's because you're not at home. You're in St. Paul, Minnesota doing good work. Um, so apologies to our listeners for the for the little hitches, audio hitches. But thank you, Sister, for joining us again and for these great suggestions. Okay, God bless, and we'll, you'll all be in my prayers. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. So, best movie of the year, Spotlight. Is it really the best movie of the year? Well, you know, I couldn't entirely accurately give you an answer on that since I haven't seen all the all other, the other ones. Okay. But Fair. I will say this that it is a very well-crafted film that does a really good job of dealing with a really difficult topic and story. Yes. So I was actually happy that it won, and not just a Best Movie, but also Best Screenplay, uh-huh. because it took a very difficult topic and handled it extraordinarily well. Okay, so tell us more. Spotlight is actually the name of the Boston Globe's investigative team who uncovered the really the devastating story of the pattern of Catholic clergy sexual abuse in the Archdiocese of Boston and then beyond. Mm -hmm. So it's actually the name is great because it's exactly what it says. It is focusing on the investigative team. And so as they uncover the story, that is the plot of the movie. So it's a great tribute to investigative journalism, of course, but it's also very even-handed. It's not entertaining, of course, and it's not an easy film to watch. But what the filmmakers do is that instead of sensationalizing it or looking like they're going after the church, they simply allow the investigation to unfold, kind of just letting the actors 
portray these moments of suffering and of scandal and in really of truth-telling mm-hmm. so that, you know, it's not a perfect film, but it is respectful at, to, to capture the complexity and the drama of the situation and also the immense impact that the sexual abuse scandal had on the lives of the individuals involved and on the church in general. Mm-hmm. So it's a really powerful story, and it's done, you know, it actually almost seems factual. You almost think you're watching a documentary. It is important to remember that it's not. It's not entirely factual. It's, you know, things are oversimplified, events are compressed, um, but it is it is a very powerful story that helps us to understand, you know, for those who don't, who weren't personally connected with anybody involved, which hopefully that's a lot of people, um, you understand better the spiritual side of the abuse, the scandal, the, 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 the devastation that happened, uh, especially in the church in Boston, because it takes it at a very local level. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, is almost all the reporters that covered the story are lapsed Catholics. So you see them wrestle with their faith, their lack of faith, and their idea of the church as well, which kind of brings it even more home to us. Right. Um, I guess the big question that people asked me when the firm film first re- released was, should I go to see this film right. as a Catholic? Yeah. And my answer would be, perhaps it's well told, it validates the stories of the survivors, it's important to remember these things because we want to support the survivors, and we want to prevent it from happening again. Mm-hmm. If you do go to see Spotlight, I would recommend a couple of things. You know, first, remember it's dramatized. It's a story, it's a huge story that's covered from a close-up perspective, from a spotlight perspective. So it doesn't answer the big why questions. You know, right. it's really just showing what happens. What The film falls a little short for me in that it doesn't show how prevalent child sexual abuse is in society, much more so than in the church. Now, right. of course, the scandal was particularly horrific as a betrayal of innocent children, and it could never be tolerated, but it does reflect also a larger societal problem that it would have been nice if the film had highlighted a bit more. Um, The other thing that the film doesn't cover is really the aftermath of what happens, which is that the Catholic Church now has perhaps the best, most proactive, you know, child protective policies of any institution in the world. So that's a very hopeful note that the film, you know, doesn't include. Um, Just just to, as a a footnote, too, uh, right around a couple years after the, the scandal broke in Boston, Father Ronald Rollheiser wrote a beautiful article uh, entitled Uncaring a Scandal Biblically, that he really looks at this, this particular scandal and says, how do we approach this as faithful Catholics? And it's, it's a wonderful companion. If you do go to see the film, I really recommend looking up this article. It's on my blog. Father Ron generously gave me permission to repost it, but you can find it on his blog as well. And it really talks about the film can help us name what happened. It can call us to greater compassion. It can invite us to offer healing rather than being defensive or, you know, scandalized. It can help us to grow in humility, you know, so that we can help and become part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really, it's a powerful film, and uh, it's not to be seen lightly, but it is, it is something that could challenge us to go deeper in our faith and our understanding of, you know, the fact that even good institutions and even people that we, we want to admire um, you know, are also flawed human beings. Right. 
Good. I'm glad you addressed the question of whether we should go see it because I was going to ask you that. I haven't had a chance to see it. It just hasn't been possible. It doesn't seem to be on demand. Maybe I'm going to have to buy the DVD. I know it's out on DVD. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I would support that, that we should... It's it's a hard it's hard for us Catholics to face the fact that these things happen, but they happened, um, and the Church has done, as you said, a, a great deal under Pope Benedict and now Pope Francis to to make sure that these things don't happen again. Um, and part of that healing means facing the fact that it happened. Um, yeah. And maybe yeah. this movie is a is a good way to to approach that. Um, and thank you for mentioning Father Ron Rollheiser. So that that will be at your windows to the soul dot wordpress dot com blog, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. absolutely. Good. Good. And and also I presume that you've also written a longer, more detailed uh review or comment on the film at your blog as well. So if people wanted to know more Yes. Absolutely. It's it's all my thoughts. It's it's really out there because I really wanted to respond to the film. Okay, very good. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much, sister. Um, I'm glad you could talk about this film for us today. Thank you for the opportunity, Deacon Pedro, as always. All right. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, you went to see Noah. I did, I did. And oh, it was you don't quite sound a very excited. Experience. Okay. I was going to say you don't sound very excited. I... <laughs> You know, it's a very it's a very bold film with a lot of very striking choices, but I also found it rather bleak. And so I thought I'd share more of my personal perspective yes. um, on the film. It, it takes it takes seriously the story of Noah and and the themes in the story, but there are a lot of bold choices like using science fiction and post post apocalyptic uh-huh. uh, elements in the film. And it's not really a close adaptation from the scripture. So I had to kind of step back from that as I was watching the film and just kind of let the director take me through the story. So I would say in brief, while I can't recommend the film as something that you should see as a believer, like it's not really an entryway to faith from my perspective— um, but it does. It is a very well-made movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performances are great. Uh, uh, Russell Crowe, Emma Watson, uh, Jennifer Connelly—they're all really convincing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great pace. There's some beautiful sequences that really illustrate early passages from Genesis. So it is worth a thoughtful viewing for the more for the mature Christian film buff, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Disclaimer. So a couple of a couple of themes that I really loved in the film or really thought were worth exploring are the fact that everybody talks about God as the creator. So mm. the essentials of the Genesis account of creation are really there in the world view of the film, and that was cool. Mm-hmm. Even the bad guy talks about God being the creator. It's yeah, awesome. Good. And it, they also talk about God creating the human person in God's image mm. and God giving humanity the care of the earth. But what I think is the most powerful element in the film and the the reason I would like the film the most is that it really takes seriously sin. In this film, sin has serious consequences. 
And so as an as a warning to people today that sin can be destructive, not just in the hereafter, but in the here and now, I, I think it's a very powerful film uh, for a world that denies the fact that sin is even an issue. I think it can be very powerful. Good. However, there were a few <laughs> things that I kind of have to pick a bone with about the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't find the aspect of faith in the film very strong. Like, you know, Genesis talks about... Noah walking with God. Hmm. And that personal element of a relationship with God just really isn't in the film. So I think Noah becomes, uh, he, well, there's, there's kind of a change midway in the film anyway, uh, which I won't spoil for anybody, but he hmm. goes from being a character that you see really like struggling with faith to being a bit of a religious fanatic. And I found that problematic. So the development of Noah's character wasn't really what I would have envisioned or could really enjoy. Uh, and the vision of the human person is definitely something worth discussing in the film because they, you know, what does it mean when everybody, even the bad guy, says that we're made in the image of God? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and really, the film's central question, I would say, has to do with the theme of sinfulness, which is, you know, is humanity irredeemable? You know, we have the flood um, as, as God wanting to give the world a new start and, and to give humanity a new start. And so this is a very big question for the film. So ultimately, I'd say it's a dark film, visually, narratively, and even in the portrayal of its characters. And I tend to find films more spiritually enriching if they not only have this incisive, you know, judgment as evil, but they also draw us towards the light. Now, there is quite, you know, a powerful moment of hope at the end of the film, but it just wasn't enough for me to get over the rest of the bleakness, you know, this shocking absence of beauty in a way. That's, for me, where Mm. no one really fails. So I have lots more to say about the film, probably too much, actually. And there's a lot of good commentaries out there. So, yeah. you know, people can visit my blog if they want to get a better sense before, you know, going to see the movie. Absolutely good. Yeah, I, I, I thank you for that. I, I suspect that a lot of that, 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 that the, the aspect of missing faith is a reflection of the writers, directors, maybe even the actor Russell Crowe and where they are in there. If they don't understand what it means to have faith in God, other than to be a religious fanatic, then that's how can they portray it. So that's an interesting, uh, that's a very interesting comment. I'm looking forward to watching it now that I've spoken to you. Um, So, and hopefully uh, our listeners will also watch it and maybe even send their comments. That'd be great. I'd love to hear from others what they think. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you very much. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. Hi, I'm Father Thomas Rosic, inviting you to join us for the Salt and Light Radio Hour, your Canadian Catholic radio show. Visit us at saltandlighttv.org. radio And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Great to be here. So you've been uh, uh, going to see some children's movies. Yes, I have. And I, I found one that I really liked, and I, I wanted to talk about it okay. because I was quite surprised. Uh, I guess you would say that the Lego movie could be considered a hundred 
10-minute commercial for a children's toy. But actually, um, it has a lot more messages than that. And uh, it's not just wholesome and fun entertainment, but it really takes the filmmakers go a step further to give some really good messages in the film. Okay, so tell us about it. The, uh, it's, I mean, in one line, an ordinary Lego figure finds a relic, which is a, a human artifact that is not part of the Lego world. Okay. You know, it's not a block piece or whatever. Okay. And when he finds this relic, he's mistaken to be the special who's in a prophecy. Um, and it's this, the special is going to save the Lego world. Uh, so we, we begin with seeing Emmett as the most ordinary, generic logo figure you could possibly imagine. Uh-huh. Um, he's a construction worker, and he's so generic that yeah. he um, follows his instruction manual to do everything. Um, but he's practically invisible to his neighbors and friends and coworkers. So unknown to Emmett, however, President Business, who's president of, of this particular Lego world, is really a mastermind criminal who has sought to control the, the Lego world and is imposing um, order and perfection it, to the point of sacrificing freedom. Mm-hmm. So Emmett overhears that President Business is going to glue all the Lego, Lego people and worlds into place. And, of course, that will paralyze everyone and take away everyone's freedom and change the world. And so that's what he's supposed to overcome. But um, it, it, he gets in this role of an, because of an accident, um, and then um, when people start calling him special, they start realizing he's really not special at all. He's quite ordinary. Mm. Um, matter of fact, he couldn't be more unqualified to carry out this super heroic mission right. um, than possible, you know. So uh, he, you know, so it's his journey. Um, it, it, the movie takes us through these various Lego worlds, um, which are very colorful. Um, there is a lot of intense action and, and chasing. Uh, there's also a romantic interest with Wild Style, uh-huh. um, who initially rescues him and then is completely disillusioned by how ordinary he is. But by the end of the film, um, and I'm not going to reveal um, any of the twists, uh, there's a really nice twist that surprises, I think, many adults as well as kids. Um, at the end of the film, um, Emmett discovers that he really is special, but it's not a specialness that takes away from everyone else, you know? So he discovers that his, you know, his special power is the special is to be able to offer his hand in friendship to everyone. Um, and that we all have moments when our gifts are needed, when we're called to do something special that kind of saves the day. Um, but we all take turns, and so we fit together as well as being special. So I, I, just to sum up, the plot in particular is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, from you know, from some, from a twist that actually reveals why everything doesn't make sense. Um, don't worry if you're if you're an adult <laughs> like me and you watch the first twenty minutes of the film and you're like, I don't get what's going on, really. Like I get it, but I don't. You know, it's a little confusing. Um, it doesn't matter, and you'll find that out. Um, but even the way they do the final resolution um, of dealing with president business is is reinforces that message. So. Um, you know, some people like, you know, for superhero movies like, like the Lego movie, um, you know, a superhero movie for tots, some people have pointed out that, um, you know, Emmett could even be seen as a Christ figure because he does, you know, sacrifice himself for others. And, and that is a beautiful aspect of the film. But where I think the film really stands out is this twofold message for, you know, for really all of us about yearning to be special and yearning to be recognized for who we are. Um, and how that specialness fits with being part of the community. Mm-hmm. So, like, whether you see the show as um, the show's theme as 
the tension between like creative types versus organized types or individuality versus conformity, really uh, the message of the film is so beautiful about how we are all part of the human community. And you can even bring it into, you know, St. Paul's passage from 1 Corinthians 12, hmm. uh, where we're all the part of the body of yeah. Christ. So um, have you seen The Avengers? Yes, yes. Um, yes. That film, um, in a way, reminds me a lot. The Lego movie reminds me a lot of The Avengers, except it's for much younger children. However, there's so many pop culture references to the 80s and 90s and some really okay. actually rather learned historical references that uh-huh. I think even adults can get a lot out of the Lego movie. Okay. So I do recommend it for families. Good. So it is clearly for the whole family, not just for the little ones? Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, you know, fly winks for the adults and, and even the older kids in the audience as well. Um, I guess if you're not a Lego fan, um, which I, I never played with Legos as a kid, so okay. um, I don't know if it gets the primary colors and the blockiness uh-huh. gets a little overwhelming, but I found myself <laughs> enjoying it after about 20 minutes. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. I, I'm sure there's a lot of Lego <laughs> fans out there, me, me so. included and my kids. So thank you very much. So the Lego movie, good movie for the whole family. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul. Have a good summer. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. You too. God bless. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, happy Holy Week, happy Easter, <laughs> sort of this Easter, is, Holy Saturday. Yes, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Yes. I just really enjoy how the church pulls out all the uh, stops for us. Uh, yeah, and it must be... To the, uh, the liturgy, yeah. It must be also special to, to live it in a religious community. Yeah, actually, I was just going to write an article about my first Easter in the convent. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, I'd like to read that. <laughs> well, I'll have to send you a link. Yeah, for um, sure. I'll try to put something up on my blog when it when it comes out. Okay, for um, sure. And you've been watching some some movies or any good Easter films? Easter ish. You know, I, I, you know uh, Deacon Pedro, my favorite Easter film of all time is Ben Hur, the the nineteen fifty okay. version. Okay. And so when I had an opportunity to pick a movie for for this week, yeah, I thought, do I pick? Do I try to go with the new Ben-Hur? Because I mm. kind of avoided seeing it last year, even uh-huh. though I'd heard good things. Um, or do I go with something else? And you know what? I wimped out. I <laughs> You didn't watch it. <laughs> I didn't watch Ben-Hur, so yeah. I'll have to do that for next year. Or I next guess so. Year. I haven't watched it. <laughs> but I did choose to watch a, a very interesting film, which I imagine a lot of our listeners have, have watched already. It's called Hidden Figures. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's based on the true story of uh, three African-American women who were mathematicians, and they work at uh, NASA, uh, National... I don't even know how, what NASA stands for, to be honest. Space they agency? Aeronautical yeah. Space program. Yeah. Um, during, uh, you know, during the years where we were first sending a, a man into space and then a man on the moon, yeah. um, and their contributions at NASA. And the cool thing, I mean, I love the title, It's uh, because it's talking about things that are 
people and things that are hidden. Mm -hmm. And I also have a secret love for physicists and scientists because my dad was a physicist. So it was really, and he actually visited NASA a number of times. So I think that uh, the film just had a lot of, it's, it's very well done. It's a very well-crafted film, maybe so well-crafted sometimes that it might almost seem politically correct in a way, but at the same time, it's so well-acted and very, very well-written uh, and, and a very classic style of a film. So it's very, and it's something you can watch, I think, with your family. Mm-hmm. It's quite, uh, quite accessible, I think, to everybody. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to see it was, first of all, I wanted to look at it in light of, uh, just in light of its popularity, and it won so many, uh, received so many nominations. But I, I also really wanted to see it because this whole idea of people in our society who are hidden, who aren't recognized, and even aspects of our lives that are hidden and not recognized, and what does it mean for them to come into the light? And what does it mean for those of us in our society today who are hidden or excluded or on the outside, on the peripheries, as Pope Francis would say, and, uh, and yet they're doing something really, really important? Mm-hmm. Um, because all of us are doing something really, really important if we're living God's will, right? Right. So, Anyway, it just it's a really powerful film that way, and uh, the scripture passage that I've been really praying with all of Lent is the Exodus story, and okay. of course that's an obvious parallel to the struggle for equal rights for African Americans, and in this case, African American women's in a particular way. But it's also a great story, uh, a great uh, parable or metaphor for us who struggle with areas of freedom in our lives. We all need to grow in the freedom, mm-hmm. you know, the greater freedom of following Christ, of living up to our potential, of being true to ourselves. And all of those messages um, are very much present in this film. Hmm. So it's a really, it's, it's very entertaining that I think, and you could stay just on the entertainment level, but it's also got a lot of depth to it, especially if you look at it in the light of uh of the Exodus story, you know, right. and you know it's Passover, it's Easter. We've got we're undergoing the whole Paschal mystery. So, if you have had a chance to see it, maybe, you know, uh, I encourage people to think about it in that in those terms. Yeah, interesting because I would have never thought I haven't seen it, um, and I get all the connections with hidden figures or people who are not recognized, and certainly the African American struggles. But I, I the connection with Easter. I don't think I would have even noticed that. Um, mm, it's yeah. a, it's 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 uh, maybe it's because I saw it. I mean, it's releasing it released during Holy Week, so right? It was easy to make the connection. One other connection, or one other thing in the film that I really loved that the whole film kind of seems to work towards. Although I don't know what it was like for the filmmakers who made the film, but there's a line in the film where it talks about uh, you know letting people. Uh, that we all go forward together or we don't go forward at all. Right. And I'm, I'm totally misquoting that, but uh, I have the quote around here somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I really liked that idea as well, that sense of, you know, we're all in this together. We're all here mm-hmm. on planet Earth together. We're all here uh, in our country together. We're all here. We're here together, here on Earth, to, to uh, 
fulfill God's beautiful plan. And Mm -hmm. it really is true. If we let each person fulfill their potential, if we open those doors, and if if people open those doors for us, then we will go forward together. We can really make a difference and transform the world. And I know that's a bit idealistic, but the film does it in a good way in the sense that even though it's got a lot of idealism, it's also real. Mm-hmm. No, it's, there's not a perfect happy ending here. Um, there's, there's steps forward. There's progress. Okay. And, yeah. Well, good. I've, you always give me homework, uh, <laughs> movies to go watch. I've been doing a lot of traveling and watching a lot of movies and films, but that one, because it wasn't out yet, was not an option, but, uh, but it is one that's on my list of films to watch. So Hidden Figures... Um, and you're saying that it's a it's a film that can be watched with the whole family, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's PG in the sense of it's talking pretty heavy duty math and and racism right. and everything. But it's yeah, it's I think it'd be appropriate for uh, for the whole family. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. So, Hidden Figures, not Ben Hur, but Hidden Figures. <laughs> um, Sister Marie Paul, thank you and Happy Easter. Thank you and Happy Easter to you and and all our listeners. Sister Marie Paul is our film expert. She's with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com and you can follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, I'm Emily Callan and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister Marie Paul, welcome back. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's been it's great to be back. So, what do you have for us today? Well, you know, I really wanted to talk about a movie that I thought I wouldn't like. Uh, <laughs> dystopian novels and movies are not really my thing. Okay. Um, but I'd heard some interesting things from some young people about Divergence, so I decided Ooh. to see it. Okay, um, good. So, in, in this film, which is, it is a dystopian uh, novel uh, that's been adapted into film, mm-hmm. the civilized world of the future is reduced to the city of Chicago, where its citizens are divided into five factions, mm-hmm. each of which is based on a virtue and has a particular role to carry out in society. So we've got the dauntless, or the courageous, mm-hmm. we've got the erudition, which is, uh, you know, learning or wisdom, we've got abnegation for the selfless, Amity for the for those who are kind and candor for the truthful. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and every every young person who comes of age takes an aptitude test to find out what virtue they're more inclined towards, what faction they're inclined towards, and then they the next day they get to choose which faction they want to join. So, uh, Deacon Pedro, if you were going to choose a faction, which <sighs> virtue would you choose? You know, wow, put me on the spot. I I, I must <laughs> say no, but I must say that I'm, I'm sure that everybody is like me, that we all watch the movie and we're all thinking, which one would I choose? Because there's this whole scene of, of choosing. Um, I, I would not choose either. I'm a divergent. Oh, that's a great answer. I am. Um, I'm not. How can you choose <laughs> one of one of virtue? Uh, the virtues really don't always, you know, they don't always work completely on their own. No. And, you know, for us as viewers, when we step back, of course, we know that a person would fit or would be more inclined to more than one virtue. Mm-hmm. But this is a big secret in the society in this in this uh, dystopian world. And it's a big surprise to the main character, who's named Beatrice Pop Pryor, mm-hmm. who was raised in abnegation, so a selfless society, 
and whose parents then are in the government because you have to be selfless to govern wisely. Right. Um, but nevertheless, she's always been drawn to Dauntless, and in the end, she actually chooses Dauntless. However, in her testing, she is revealed as being, as maybe fitting, um, three different uh, factions. And she said, of course, that means she's divergent. So she fits with you, mm-hmm. um, and um, she needs to keep this a secret or she will be killed. Her life is in danger. So we're off to a running start um, in this film. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a YA dystopian story kind of a person, but if you feel like you've seen them all, um, this one might be worth uh, seeing. It's, it's a mix of all, you know, of all the different elements of action, adventure, coming of age, mm-hmm. and romance uh, that works with this young adult dystopian genre. Um, the film, I would say, really does oversimplify the book, um, especially some of the character development, and it overemphasizes action elements. I got a little tired of some of the violence and chase scenes. But it is a very powerful story uh, set in a world that's morally based. It's got sympathetic characters, and, it's, and I think that the story choices are pretty dauntless themselves. They uh-huh. fit Beatrice's um, character. And the production itself was quite solid and felt very credible. So. Is this a window to the soul kind of film? Um, absolutely, yes. Uh, it's you know it, it ultimately turns into a political and military struggle for power because it's a dystopian story. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's based on the virtues and really explores how to live different virtues and and the fact that you need different virtues to balance each other. Otherwise, the factions tend to go to extremes, mm-hmm. um, especially erudition, which we know that learning and education can lead to pride. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of a common sense thing. But even some of the other virtues, truth can be delivered so harshly that it can destroy. Right. Uh, all of these virtues need other virtues to balance them. Uh, the film explores the virtues, especially through Beatrice's experience, She's a very courageous young woman who begins by the film by questioning her selflessness and choosing to uh, really develop her courage. Um, but she's constantly put in situations where the moral choice is not easy and it sometimes almost seems impossible to make. Right. And I like that about the film. It's taking the virtue and saying, what do we do when it's really, really hard to be courageous or to be selfless? Mm-hmm. So uh, the film, is, again, if you're, if you're thinking about it for younger viewers, there is violence and there is a lot of fighting because she's in a faction that does a lot with physical uh, strength. Um, but it does have a lot of depth, and it, it's a great way to begin exploring the virtues. And uh, I just I recommend getting, you know, if you like dystopian, or even if you don't and you want to give one dystopian story a try, this might be the one to do. Yeah, good. And, and I agree. I watched it, and I think it's good for, for uh, older tweens. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, th- there's got to, lots of really good uh, thinking of choices, moral choices in the movie. Um, so thank you. And it's part one of three, I believe, right? I think there's going to be yes, three it, films. It, it is. And there's some critics who say that the, you know, the story doesn't totally make sense. Well, you kind of have to read yeah, or watch will. the next couple ones for it to really explain itself well. So uh, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a thoughtful and thought-provoking choice. Okay, very good. So that's Divergent, and, and it's out on, on demand, and, and however other Netflix or people consume their films. Thank you, Sister Marie Paul. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com, and you can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. 
Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's so good to be back. It's it been is. a while. It has. <laughs> I, I, it feels a little strange to ask you how your summer was because it's November. <laughs> but no, I hope you had a good I summer. Ha- I did. I had a lovely summer, and I hope the same went for you and yes. for all the listeners. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It was a good summer. So I, I have a question for you. Yes. Are you an anime fan? Like, Do hmm. you watch anime uh, uh, no no although a few weeks ago we uh, featured a little anime style way of the cross on this program wonderful um, uh but it was in a comic book format so uh but films i can't say that i'm a not that i'm not a fan but i'm not very it's not that uh, it wouldn't be my first choice of films to watch you know, I'm I'm kind of with you there. I don't really consider myself an anime fan either. But I wanted to share today some film, a, a series actually, of okay. a studio collection of anime films because I think I don't think they're as well known, uh, and they're wonderful for the most part family films yeah. to watch. And none of them are brand new, but I I still thought I could highlight them. Okay. And uh, I ran into Studio Ghibli's films. Uh, oh, actually, when I was in Toronto, a friend <laughs> recommended them to me, and I started watching them, and I just really fell in love with them. The Studio Ghibli was created in 1985 by two really great uh, filmmakers who, who work in anime also, uh, both in film and uh, in graphic novels, I uh-huh. believe. And uh, the most famous one is Hayao Miyazaki, who retired, I believe, last year. So the future of Studio Ghibli is not entirely secure, but they have a collection of films that they've been producing since 1985 that are, are quite amazing and really whimsical and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to highlight a couple of the qualities that this studio's films uh, give to us and maybe just mention a few titles. Of course, their most famous film is probably Spirited Way, right, yes. which won the Academy Award um, back in, I believe it was 2001 or 2002. Okay. Uh, one of their more recent films that might have been more familiar to American audiences was The Secret World of Arietti. Oh, came yes. Out- 2010, and that was based on the on the children's book, which I loved when I was a kid, called The Borrowers, you know, about the little uh-huh. people who live in your house who run off with whatever you've lost. Yeah. And uh, and so, so they've done a lot of, of wonderful films. And one of the things, you know, it's, it's the studio's based in Japan. It's presenting typical uh, Japanese values, but they present the magic of... I'd say of the world and of childhood especially in a way that is very respectful and gentle. And yet it's not like Disney. They don't deny the reality of evil and suffering. As a matter of fact, many of their films don't have a happy Disney ending, but there is always a resolution. Uh, And each film is unique. They appeal to different age levels. You've got the really young children, like ages five or six. You've got kind of the middle grade kids uh, movies and then you've got preteens and teens so they they stretch across the ages but they do have some common characteristics uh first of all all of the animation it's 2d animation mostly hand-drawn and it's amazing it's imaginative it's whimsical it's 
so um, inventive. Like, it's, it's really beautiful. Uh, they also take the reality of a spiritual realm for granted in almost, I think, in all of the films that I've seen. And while it's not the spiritual realm in a Christian sense, mm-hmm. there is this, you're not stuck in a material world. It actually encourages a worldview that, that highlights spiritual values. That's the opposite of materialistic. Okay. You know, um, they might talk about magic and spirits and even witches and wizards, but it's, again, it's not in our traditional Western way of looking at things. It's looking at the spiritual realm, and it's really cool. Uh, they also, almost all of the films that I've seen, bring out at least two or three strong human values or themes. Uh, the, the value and respect for, for the elderly, uh, the, the putting your family first, the respect for nature and uh, valuing of nature. And many of the films also have a pacifist or an anti-war theme in them uh, it, that's included in a lot of the films, even though not, it may not be overt, but it's in there. And delightfully, many of the films have a strong female protagonist, which huh. you don't often see no. in a children's animated programs. So there's just a lot of really great um, values in these films. I, I just wanted to share two of my favorites. Oh, before I do that, if yeah. you are looking for the Studio Ghibli films, I haven't found them streaming anywhere. I usually either get them on DVD used uh, or I borrow them from the library. Uh, okay. American libraries seem to have them, so they're easy to get um, that way. Um, but you do need to make sure you get the English dubbed version unless you know Japanese okay. <laughs> or you want to read English titles. Yes, titles. that's good to know. So um, my two favorite films are uh, Howl's Moving Castle, which is really a delightful, um, again, whimsical fantasy. It's based on on a book by uh, Diana Wynne-Jones, which is also called Howl's Moving Castle, but it's not quite the same. Uh, This is is like a developed fairy tale. It's got enchantments, disguises, wizards and witches, wars, kings, a castle that walks, um, a love story. And... Uh, and the protagonist is a is a young girl who doesn't have a whole lot of self-confidence. Her name is Sophie Hatter. She's a hatter. She makes hats. Uh-huh. And it's her strength, kindness, and love that change the lives of those around her, despite her her limitations, her littleness, in a way, in the story. So it's a delightful film full of unexpected plot twists. It's It's really lovely. And then the second film that I wanted to highlight that I just saw recently is called The Tale of the Princess Kaguya. And this came out, it's one of their last films uh, in the, in the, from the studio. And it's a Japanese folk tale about a, a mysterious princess who grows from a bamboo plant, huh. <laughs> which sounds very unusual, but it's a fairy tale, you know, folk tale. And she's raised by an elderly bamboo cutter and his wife. But it's a, it's a very, it's, uh, very otherworldly film, but it's absolutely exquisite animation and beautiful, beautiful character development. And it also really has a, a kind of a profound critique of just seeking social status for your happiness, right. which is amazing to find in a children's film uh, like this. So there's, um, there's lots of good films to look at. I will try to put more information up on my blog, uh, Windows to the Soul, so that people can uh, find more information and perhaps choose one of these films for a family film night. Okay, that's good to know. So, um, uh, Ghibli, and it's G-H-I-B-L-I, correct? 
Yes, yes. That's how the Studio filmmakers pronounce it. Studio Ghibli. 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 Yeah. And you mentioned a few films, uh, Spirit of the Way, that people may have heard of, The Secret World of Arietti, Howl's yes. Moving Castle, and The Tale of the Princess Kaguya. Kaguya, <laughs> Kaguya. There we go. So that's uh, that's good. So hopefully uh, people can go and uh, go to the... Not only have you encouraged them to look for good films, but you've encouraged them to go to the library, the local <laughs> library, even that's if right. it's, it is to get, to get a film. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Good. I'm, I might take your advice and, and take a trip to the library myself. <laughs> That'll be great. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowstothesoul.wordpress.com. You can also follow her at Sister M. Paul. That brings us to the end of this special film edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Today's segments were a compilation of some of the best Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley over the years. To comment on what you heard or to share your own thoughts on these or other films, Find me on Facebook or send me a message on Twitter at GM. To listen to more of these segments, visit our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.